Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The Purdy's have served this valley for decades, providing their customers with the best insurance options auto, home, life, business. I mean, they're the insurance experts. And not only that, but they also find you the best price. And if there's a claim, they jump right in there. So if it happened to them, they're your partner. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, so last night, up nine, first half. Into the first half sequence, Patrick's exactly right about this. The first thing I said in the postgame show before he came on. You have an opportunity there. Penn State missed a shot. Okay, it's fine, but Penn State gets the rebound. There's 27, 8 seconds left. That means the shot clock's off. And this is where you get a freshman mistake. And... The freshman mistake is the key. Jamari Wheeler just kind of lost track of where they were and tried to put up another shot. No, Jamari. Pull the ball out because now what you have is the perfect storm. You have two for none. You're going to get the last shot of the first half. You're going to get the first possession of the second half. Uh, but he's 18, 19 years old. And that was a key sequence because Penn State had all the momentum and it gave Purdue some momentum going into the break. And, uh, I mean, I would, I would say give Penn State a lot of credit for, for, uh, for being there. The Purdue is a team that's hi- highly regarded as a possible one seed in the tournament. So, I mean, I know they were out there, Beth their best player last night, but still, you lost by three points on the road. That's all in all for a young team. Not, not a terrible game. Uh, I am now at the point where I believe Penn State can win every game. Oh, that's uh, a good place d- to be. It doesn't really matter to me who that happens to be. I am at a place now where I go into every game, and I think Penn State's got a legitimate shot without having a laundry list of things go wrong for the opponent to win. That if Penn State does its its share and does it right, Penn State's got enough to win games now. Sure, they definitely have the talent. There's no doubt. Agreed there. So, uh, I mean, not having Mike Watkins for a period of time. See, what Mike has to do is Mike has to use his natural gifts. In his, you know, what happened against Haas last night was that Haas imposed his game on Mike. Mike needed to impose his game on Haas. Mike is the far more athletic, 
quicker player. You know, you're big, you're strong, I'm quick, I'm nimble. And uh, now, part of it was Haas was very, very physical last night. And the first foul, Mike, I'm trying to think. First foul was legit. Second foul was not. Third foul was legit, but then he got called for the technical, which gave him four. Harms got called for a technical, too. It was a double T. And and Penn State turned it over too many times last night. Penn State went hunting matchups and did it really well in the first half. I mean, Eifert's not a, you know, is not a good matchup. Klein can't guard you. Uh, you hey, can't. Yeah. Klein, Klein is not a good defender. I'm pretty good from the outside, man. Come on, don't don't sell me short. I said a, you're better <laughs> than a college basketball player from Purdue. Um, but the 15, what happened, though, is that then Purdue made an adjustment. And the adjustment they made was that when you would drive in against a mismatch, they would then double you. And Penn State was driving itself into trouble for several possessions, and that's where they killed themselves. Penn State had 15 turnovers in the first 32 minutes. They had no turnovers in the last eight minutes. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, Penn State did not shoot free throws well in the first 36 minutes. Final four minutes, they were five of six. During the the first 36 minutes, where they needed more than than, than what they were getting. And Purdue didn't shoot free throws well either, but on volume they had more. Yep. Which you expect. I mean, uh, Matt Painter is now 212-30 and 30 in games where his team has more free throw attempts than the opponent. What does that tell you? That tells you they almost always get more free throw attempts than the opponent. Tony Carr has been named the Big Ten Player of the Week. It's nice. Big thing is that they have Michigan coming up on Wednesday in and, the Jordan Center. And winning yesterday, winning last night would have been huge for their uh, for their bracket standing, for their chances to get into the tournament. Because right now they're really in the middle of the pack of the of the third tier, not even on the bubble tier, but beyond that. All right. So yeah. according to CBS, anyway, I mean, you know, who knows who's going to pick who with this with these brackets when yeah. it's all said and done, but. Yeah, I think uh, CBS has them in the third tier. Joe Lenardi has Penn State as the number five team out. Five total? Uh, mm, interesting. Yeah, um, but they're the number five team. So they'd be uh, there's first four out, next four out. Penn State's the first team in next four out. Uh, yeah, they're way but, out on CBS. Way out. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I understand that. Now, it a lot of it doesn't make any sense. And I'll, and I'll give you a good example. Oklahoma has a truly spectacular talent in Trey Young. You know, look, he's thin, he gets worn down, he makes mistakes, but boy, he's a fun guy to watch. Now, where do where do you think Oklahoma's seated in all this thing? I don't even. I I mean, unless they're in, I don't even see them on the bubble watch anywhere to be. Oh seen. no, they're not in the they're not in the bubble. They're in. Oh okay, well then they must be in. I mean, that's I'm yeah. not even looking at the top twenty five. I'm looking outside of what's definite. Right. Yeah, they've lost six in a row. Oh geez. 
Penn State's won six of eight. Yeah, Penn State's and got a it, nice record. I mean, nineteen and ten's a good and year. It, and it hasn't been against Towson. <laughs> but their strength of schedule is not very good. I mean, they're they're sporting an eighty-eight strength of schedule, which is right in the middle of the pack. I mean, a little on, a little yeah. south of middle, but still. And their RPI is garbage, seventy-six. That's really bad too. But Ken Palm, they're twenty-five. ESPN BPI, they're twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sagarin, Sagarin, they're thirty-three. See, Penn State, you know, the RPI is 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 now starting to get phased out. Now it's still used in the room. Let's be fair; it's RPI is still used in the room, and now they're doing some of these advanced metrics that I just talked about. But Penn State's twenty-five in the Ken Palm rankings. Penn State's twenty-five in the ESPN BPI rankings. Yeah, well, they play in the Big Ten. I mean, that's got to say something. It's it's a it's a good conference. It's a solid conference. So. Now, Michigan will be a really good opponent for them. They're 23 in the Ken Palm. They're 21st in the, in the rankings. But, I mean, Oklahoma, I don't get the fascination with Oklahoma. They're 16 and 10 now. Well, they're, playing the, can, they're, they're playing Kansas tonight. They're going to lose. The it's because of the player. It, it, it's a star power thing. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that makes perfect sense because more people will tune in to watch that guy. Maybe not over Penn State because, you know, Penn State do, you know, oh, they do have a Tony yeah. Carr and whatnot, but. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying they're being picked over Penn State, but I'm saying I don't get the uh, they're all created equal thing. They're not all created equal. No, no, they're not. And that's that's just not the way it is. Um, I mean, you look at the uh, let's see, Purdue moves up to number two. All right, so uh, Purdue, Wichita State move up, Ohio State, Cincinnati slip. Okay, that's fine. I understand that. Um. Right now, Big Ten would have four, I think. Yeah, according to CBS, yes, they would have. Big Ten would have four. Michigan's the fourth team, by the way, and they're here on Wednesday night. That's a big game. So Michigan's the fourth team. That's who. That's who the fourth one is. But yeah, it's Ohio State, Purdue, and Michigan State. Um. Uh, Bubble Watch, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida State, Houston, TCU, Texas A&M on the fence. Kansas State, Miami, Middle Tennessee, NC State, which I saw, obviously, in November. Providence, UCLA, Virginia Tech, work to do. The work to do category includes the Pennsylvania State University. In the middle of the pack. Yep. A few steps ahead well, of my that, Syracuse that, Orange. <laughs> no, that that's actually that's alphabetical order. That's alphabetical. Order. Oh yeah, look at that. It is alphabetical order. <laughs> so yeah. I went to Syracuse. So what can I? Do? No, I'm joking. I didn't go to Syracuse. I'm not nailing on that university. <laughs> uh, but that let me let me see here. Big Twelve. Um, Big Twelve. I want to look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma played Texas the other day. Texas won the game. So those are the standings. Oklahoma is six and eight in the conference. They've lost five in a row. I think I said they lost six. They're, it's about to be six because they play Kansas tonight at Fog Allen, and they are not going to win that game. Uh, that's at nine o'clock tonight. Like Trey Young is a fabulous player to watch. Does a few things that drive you crazy. Maybe takes too many shots once in a while, and then overcompensates by trying to pass too much. He's he's still trying to get a feel for the guys around him. But 
They are 34 in the RPI. Let's get the Ken. I want to get to the Ken Palm rankings there because Ken Palm is actually. I'm picking the the most reliable metric. That's always been my most reliable metric. Far more reliable than, uh, in my opinion, than uh, RPI. Even though I know RPI is used in the room, more and more of these metrics are being used in the room. Well, sometimes, sometimes the See? room, <laughs> sometimes the room is so unreliable that I feel like they use a magic eight ball anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, they are behind Penn State in the Ken Palm. They're 38. Penn State's 25. They're 38. So in the Ken Palm rankings, who's ahead of them? Virginia, Villanova, Duke, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Purdue, North Carolina, Texas Tech. They've got Kansas this weekend in Lubbock. Gonzaga, Auburn, then Kansas is 11. Then Xavier, West Virginia, Wichita State, Tennessee. Clemson, Ohio State, 17. Nevada, Houston, St. Mary's. Then it's TCU, Arizona's 22, Michigan's 23, Butler's 24, Penn State's 25. Mm. Behind them are Texas A&M, which is not quite the same team Penn State played in November because they've had so many guys. They've got so many guys out. Behind Penn State on the Ken Palm rankings are Texas A&M, Creighton, Florida State, Notre Dame, Rhode Island, Baylor, Kentucky, Florida, Louisville, Missouri, Oklahoma, Arkansas, they're all behind Penn State right now. Alabama, Syracuse. Now, part of this is is the metric where they use, I mean, um, margin of victory comes into play. And I've pointed out several times, hey, look, you know, you know, you talk about close games that you win, but guess what? Blowing out somebody also means, you know, the really good teams aren't in close games. Right, but that's, I mean, that's kind of a weak, uh, you know, metric to use to, to rank, you know, these teams, how they get into the into the uh, tournament. That's kind of, I don't well, know, that's, that sounds like old school that, college football rankings. That's not. That, yeah, but that's dominating. Ah, uh, come on. So that means, so that means, like, you like if you're if you're a top ranked team playing some pushover team, you know you're gonna run yeah, up the score the, on them. Like you're gonna encourage that. Like that's weird. That's something. Penn, I, Penn, Penn State's got nine wins in the Big Ten. Now, this is the Big Ten, right? Nine wins in the Big Ten. I believe six of the nine are by double digits. All right, so they don't rank every game. They rank it in their like within their everything's everything's in a relative sen- uh, relative okay. sense. All right, that's a little so in better. Other words, so beating Campbell, for example, and winning by double digits there, because Penn State has 19 wins, and 15 of the 19 are by double digits. All right. Well, I mean, that, I mean, but like as long as it's it's relevant. I mean, beating up on on a on a D2 school or whatever is not really right. impressive. You know, it's... no, that's not impressive. You're expected to do that. Right. Exactly. Matter of fact, I think it should be held against you. It should be held the other way if you don't. You know, like I think that's how it should be. You know, but whatever. <laughs> that's just me. Yeah. Like I said, they used the magic eight ball half the time anyway. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, we'll take a break. Is there anything going on at the Olympics of interest? Anything? I'll look into it. <laughs> Anywhere? <laughs> Will the United States ever get another medal? Uh, they have a chance tomorrow, Wednesday night. Ever. Now, they're going to get a medal in women's hockey. We yeah, know that. It's guaranteed either gold or silver. Silver yeah. is guaranteed minimum. So, 
Yeah. So where are the metal possibilities for the U.S.? Kayla Schifrin's already pulled out of another event. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. The competition is on! And this month, Sunbury Motors is going for the gold! February is the month to get Olympic size savings at SMC. Sunbury Motors Ford is having their annual President's Day sales event. Plus, it's truck month. SMC is where you want to be to choose from four city blocks of new Fords. SMC has discounts up to 16 grand. And some vehicles are at half price. SMC is where you want to be to save up to $16,000 on new Ford trucks. And they start as low as $25,919. Choose from over over 50 of the top-selling Ford Escape, and they're slashed to 19980 SMC has the best hidden secret in the car business. Take over $15,000 off a C-Max Energy. That's more than half off. Lease it for only $179 a month for 36 months with zero down. That's right, nothing down. And it includes tax tags, plus the first payment is taken care of. Hurry, there's only eight left. SMC is where you want to be for Olympic-sized savings during Truck Month and the President's Day sales event. Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. All right. The Olympics continue this week, and in case you missed it, and based on the ratings you are, <laughs> the U.S. women's hockey team uh, will get at least a medal, uh, gold or silver. They face Canada for the gold medal. Uh, the U.S. beat Finland. Uh, could be a women's bobsled medal. Alana Myers-Taylor, really, really good. Has a shot this week. Uh, Lindsey Vaughn is going to go back to the downhill on Wednesday. Michaela Schifrin pulled out of the downhill, but she'll be in the combined trying to get a second medal at the games. Uh, ice dancing may have a shot there. Uh, and then, of course, all the X Games stuff were, were actually really good. Uh, women's half-pipe freestyle, men's half-pipe freestyle. They have pipes? It's all the pipe stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, honestly, like you said about the ratings, what's really bothering me is like, you know, like if watching the Olympics is like watching commercials like all day long, it's the worst. That's really what the problem is, in my opinion. Well, I've got another problem with it, and it's a luck factor for me. The last two weekends, I'll explain why I've had enough of cross-country skiing when we come back. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, in just a moment, we'll talk with Rob Beard Temple about the Pirates from the Athletic. I said before the break, I'd explain cross-country skiing. So last week, I go to Illinois, get to the hotel. All right, settle in for a moment. Turn on the TV. What's on? Cross-country skiing. All right. So then we go down to dinner. There are four TVs there, so obviously there's a wide variety of choices, but the Olympics are on one of the TVs, and it's cross-country skiing. I then go down for breakfast Sunday morning, 
And on the TV is cross-country skiing. I'm like, what the... All right. Then Penn State plays the game, get out of there, and that's it. All right. Now I go to Purdue. I get there Saturday. What's on TV? Cross-country skiing. I'm like, what? Well, they're skiing across the country, man. I mean, come I on. I, I can't escape this. I mean, <laughs> I've seen so much cross-country skiing, they've gone to North Korea and back. <laughs> okay? And so then... I, I get up Sunday morning. I turn it on. I turn it on, flipping around the channels. It's cross country skiing again. I'm like, is that the only thing that's on? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Are they at least shooting the guns in these cross country skiing? No, nah, this isn't even biathlon. It was some relay race, oh, you yeah. know, and, and whatever. Norway won. Sweden was second. It's like United watching paint dry. The United States was two hundredth. I mean, it was okay. Of course, because we drive cars to get around. They actually use these skis to get around. (laughs) Well, I mean, it it is physically the exertion it takes is just monumental. Yeah, my anybody with cross country skis will tell you that. Hey, you know, you're in good shape if you can do that. But after two weekends, (laughs) that's all I got. (laughs) Like, at least show me somebody on uh, like going down a hill. All right. Let's bring in Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic. Rob, welcome back. It's great to have you with us. Steve, you're hanging out with, like, one of the hottest college basketball teams in the country right now, and you want to talk to me about baseball? Dude. I know. <laughs> I, oh, I know, but it's always fun to talk with you anyway, Rob, so let's say I'll talk uh, with you anytime about anything. <laughs> well, it's good to hear from you. How you doing? I'm doing well, and you're right. They've been a hot team to watch. They've played very, very well. They're at a point now, Rob, where they can. You know, I walk into the arena, I feel like I can beat anybody. Very good. That's uh, it's quite a time to be a, a Penn State fan of any sport, man, between that wrestling team and yeah. football team did pretty well. So, you know, yeah. let's, uh, not, let's keep it rolling. Not bad at all. Now, the Pirates. Uh, David Freeze has a World Series ring, and he's performed well on the biggest stage. Uh, how interesting was his blunt conversation with the media about the uh, status of the Pirates? Yeah, it was a, a, a little, I, wanna, I don't want to say it was entirely unexpected, because uh, I, I got some vibe from him last year that, that he was not happy with the way things were, were going in that clubhouse uh, and with the performance on the field. But uh, to have him walk in, you know, first day here in camp and sort of drop the truth bomb, that um, you know, there, there's a need for an attitude adjustment. I think some guys, you know, after 13, 14, and 15, maybe a little bit of taking it for granted, maybe a little bit of just uh, cruising at times and forgetting, you know, what it's like to kind of be hungry and and, and have to fight and scratch for stuff. Um, I think he was, you know, he wasn't here for those playoff teams in Pittsburgh. He competed against one of them when he was with the Cardinals in 13. And, um, you know, so, so he, he got a sense of what it was like here with, for the guys who were in the club. And, um, you know, he said it starts, he didn't, he didn't rule himself out. He says he has to do a better job, but he, he pointed to every guy in that clubhouse. He pointed to the people in the front office. He pointed to ownership. And, um, you know, I think it was a message that needed to be sent. And he's a guy who, like you say, he's been there. He's, he's a World Series MVP. Hit some 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 big uh, made some big plays and big games, and he's a veteran guy on this team now. Even though he's only been here a couple of years, there's not many veteran guys left. It seems that's how it works with the Pirates. So uh, I wasn't entirely shocked that he opened his mouth and, and, and talked rather bluntly and freely for about 20 minutes. 
while you talk about it, it's words that a lot of people felt that needed to be said, that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that management wants it to be said. Has there been <laughs> any reaction internally from the Pirates about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that both he and, uh, and Josh Harrison, who, you know, as you know, issued the uh, trade me demand and via the athletic back in January when the, when the uh, cleaning house portion began with McCutcheon and Garrett Cole being traded. I'm sure both of those guys have gotten some pushback from the front office. Um, you know, yesterday when we talked to Neil Huntington, the general manager, and, and also Clint uh, Herbold, the, the manager of the team, they, they both tried to put a smiley face on it, saying that, you know, we're willing to listen and we may not agree with everything they say, but we're, we're you know, open, willing to have open lines of communication and blah, blah, blah. I think the bottom line is, and the message they delivered is that you know we're the ones running this team. We have a model, a business model that we're going to follow, and you know you may disagree with that, guys. But this is how it's going to be run. At the end of the day, you know they're the guys uh, making the moves, spending the money. So you really can't do much if you're a player, except you know sit back and deal with it. Yet that business model did bring with it, I believe, a fifty million dollar windfall, didn't it? <laughs> well, the, I mean, it depends. Uh, the team is, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that the club is making money, and it's just how much is, is up for debate. I mean, this year they every every major league team got a check for fifty million dollars, um, part of the distribution of money from the sale of MLB Advanced Media, the internet side of MLB, which was sold to Disney, and which you know Disney has has a few dollars in its bank account. So uh, every club got that fifty billion. The Pirates still get a check every year for revenue sharing. So you figure between that fifty and whatever it is they get in revenue sharing, I'm hearing anywhere from twenty to to thirty five or forty million dollars. That pretty much covers their entire payroll before they sell a ticket, before they sell a T shirt or a hot dog or park a car down in the North Shore. Their payroll is pretty much covered. And then you throw in the money they get from the T V, radio advertising um, you know is booming in baseball it's a 10 billion dollar business right now and it's only going to keep going up and uh, if you know if, you, if you're a guy that owns your team you're uh, like like Mr. Nunny here in Pittsburgh you're, you're in good shape is there any other franchise in the majors that has a similar business model to the Pirates based on what you know well you know you can look at it the way some like the 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 Marlins, to a degree, although they're not as heavily invested in, in player development as the Pirates have been. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, I think, are pretty comparable. Um, for a few years there, the San Diego Padres were, but now they've kind of shifted. You know, the, saw the money they spent on Hosmer uh, one yesterday. So that, you know, maybe their, their paradigm is shifting a little bit. But the Pirates, you know, I mean, they approach it as, you know, here's, here's, your, you know, here's your budget. And spend that however you want on player acquisition, but that's that's your budget for the year, and it's not going to be as big as some other teams. The Pirates are never going to have a payroll that's in the upper half of baseball, at least not as long as this current ownership group is in place. But they intend to, you know, develop as many players as they can from guys they draft and bring them up, um, and you complement that with with guys you acquire via trades or, or free agency. It's never going to be like a superstar kind of guy, but you look for complementary pieces that can fill in there, and that's uh, 
you know, a, a, a solid. I mean, it, it's put the team back on on pretty solid financial footing when when Nutty took over as principal owner about a decade ago. You know, there was some concern about the debt to equity ratio for this club, which is you know the reason Aramis Ramirez had to be traded to the Cubs out of the blue. You know, a few years back, and now there's a plan at least. It may not be what everyone is hoping for, especially if you like big flashy rosters and teams that hit a lot of home runs and win a lot of games. But there's a plan there, and the Pirates are stable, and they're turning, or you know, you could say turning a small profit, and they're not making waves in MLB. You don't see a lot of troublemakers, or the ownership doesn't go against, you know, things MLB's commissioner's office is trying to do. So it's exactly what the people in New York would like to see. And, uh, you know, you can argue if you're a fan, is it better to have a team that really wants to go all out to pedal to the metal every year to win, or is it better to have a team that just is kind of like an accountant's dream, (laughs) a little boring and and a little stable? Rob, uh, what about – now, one thing about acquiring prospects is Mm -hmm. that it's a guessing game. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they pan out and it's great, and other times they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the Pirates yeah. were pretty happy with the return that they got for Garrett Cole and for Andrew McCutcheon, just based on their scouting, mm-hmm. what kind of return did they get, or is it just going to be, have to be a wait-and-see thing for the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it is going to be a heavily, heavily kind of wait-and-see kind of thing. I mean, you look at uh, you know the probably the – I think, the, at least in, especially in the short term, the biggest name quote could be could be Joe Musgrove, who um, just never was able to make his way into the starting rotation with the Astros, and was more of a long reliever. And that was kind of where he was ticketed for, with them um, in the near you know the future, or maybe even the rest of his career if he would have stayed with Houston. And now here he gets a chance; they're going to give him every opportunity to become a starting pitcher and win a rotation spot. Colin Moran. A guy who was kind of a backup infielder kind of piece with you know is now also going to he's going to be the, the starting opening day third baseman, and they're going to try to you know give him every chance to hang on to that job and keep it. Um, those two pieces, I think, you know, are the, are the biggest, maybe the most immediate impact kind of thing. But they got a couple of guys, a couple of minor league outfielders, Martin and Reynolds, who could pan out. Uh, some scouts have told me they could be you know fourth outfielder types potentially but it's, it's so hard to predict at this level that you know you wouldn't necessarily be a surprise that they bloom into, into something a little bit bigger than that but you're right it is such a guessing game which is why when, when you're dealing with prospects it's usually better to get a bunch and <laughs> have one or two yeah. bloom on you than, than just bank everything on one or two new pace of play rules six mile yeah. visits uh, that that has now come out. They negotiated between the Players Association mm-hmm. and uh, obviously uh, the commissioner's office. They're also cutting down uh, 20 seconds per commercial break, which should cut six minutes off the games themselves, including a countdown clock in the ballpark. Yeah. What did you think about the mound visits? Now, certain certain visits, for example, if there's an injury or if, if it's raining and an infielder needs a tongue depressor or whatever, that doesn't count. <laughs> but what did you think yeah. about the uh, the rule? I'm not a big fan of of these kinds of tweaks. I mean, I'm, I'm sure MLB has a 
a purpose behind you know the, 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 it's it's very focused right now on pace of games, shortening the times of games. And I've heard a lot of different theories about it. One of them I thought was pretty interesting is you know you go to a big league game these days, uh, most people at any given moment are probably not watching the game. They're watching their phones. They're talking to their buddies. They're in line for a beer uh, or whatever. And the, the ball game is, is kind of a nice thing to have on in the background of wherever you are. It's in the, it's kind of always been the nature of baseball. Um, but if it goes too long, people can get on board with it. They wander. Their attention really wanders or they, they, they do something else. So I, I think in, in a way, you know, putting so much attention on when it comes down to trimming three or four or five minutes off a already three hour product. I don't know. I mean, it, these, I think these, the changes they're putting in now, the six visits, that seems pretty harmless because I don't know if many managers make more than six visits in a game uh, when they're, you know, changing, not changing pictures anyway. Uh, but that includes the catcher though. True. True. And, I think that's what you'll probably see more of is if is teams now will start to use all sex because you have sex <laughs> before. Right. That's, that's very true. Know? Yeah. So before it might've been, you know, maybe you just need to make one or two visits a game. Now it's the ninth inning and you, you know, you drop a couple runs. Well, let's give this guy a minute or two to gather himself. Let's take a couple visits. Yeah. So now before maybe we're out of the inning in five minutes, now we're out of the inning in, inning in seven minutes and baseball shot itself in the foot there. So, I just hate these kind of artificial constraints. I'm, I'm very much, uh, I guess, old school with it. Just let the game play out the way it's going to play out. And some days it's going to be done in, a, in, in, you know, an hour and 58 minutes, and some days it's going to be done in four hours and 58 minutes. I've been at right. both kinds of games, and that's just the way they are. Well, I, to me, this is a uh, slight overreaction to soccer. Soccer's over in less than two hours. I mean, and that's yeah. where the millennials have been flocking, MLS. I think some of this, is, to me, is an overreaction to soccer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I became a Premier League fan a couple of years ago because I needed yep. something to watch. It. And that's one of the beauties of it is you're right. You, you turn the game on at 10 o'clock in the morning, and you know if you have plans for lunch at, at 12.05, you can make it there. Uh, <laughs> they're going to be done playing. <laughs> Who's your team? So, uh, I'm an Everton man myself. Ah, uh, which, okay. It's yes, it's been a rough year. Uh, been a rough, probably, few years. <laughs> yeah. Now that Lukaku was gone, it's really rough. So yeah. But uh, yeah, please don't tell me you're a Liverpool guy. Actually, uh, I'm not any guy. But Jeff okay. Tarman, who's our producer on the radio network for football and basketball, is a huge Liverpool <laughs> guy. Dave uh, Baker is a huge Arsenal guy. Well. Tell Tarman that I would rather walk alone. He'll know what I mean. Yeah. He, oh no! Believe me, he tells Dick Girardi and me that all the time. You know, and we don't think it's just a Liverpool thing. I think he, whether he's around us, he would rather walk alone. Uh, outstanding. Rob, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. It's great to hear you. Always do such great work, and great to see you at a quality uh, group like the Athletic. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. Uh, just give me a buzz. I'd like to chat some ball. Always have fun. The outstanding Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic, covering the Pirates down in spring training, where they uh, were given a rather interesting dressing down by one of their players, David Freeze. Saying, Who are these people?
Who are they? He kind of went after the whole culture when he did that. I think one of the things I was most sad is when Rob said that this team will never be in the upper half of spending baseball teams in, you know, in the league. And that really, I mean, fans have to hear, have to hate hearing something like that. This is a team that's, you know, they had good heritage, you know, good, good franchise. Interesting. Um, But you know what we're seeing now? I think uh, Tony Watson just signed with the Giants. And he's a Scott Boris guy. Eric Hosmer just signed the eight-year deal with the Padres. So the logjam is breaking on free agents. Expect in 24 hours J.D. Martinez to sign with the Red Sox. Okay? But you're seeing a lot of franchises. Let's take Houston. Who's the high-paid? You know, I mean, they got Justin Verlander down the stretch. Who's the high-paid guy for the uh, Astros? Everyone is now using as the basis for what they're doing because, I mean, sports is a copycat situation. Across the board, everybody's using analytics now. And they're so deep into analytics, which does everything from prospect development, batting order determination, things like that. How you use your pitchers. That you're looking at teams that aren't spending as much money. Because they're really depending a lot on what the analytics tell them. Well, believe me, being a Mets fan, I understand teams not spending money. And it's the most frustrating thing ever when the team right across town will spend all their money. So, Well, the Yankees are interesting. They're the one team that really has spent a lot of money. Remember the Red Sox spent a ton of money and then they stopped. Now, they spent it on David Price, but essentially they stopped. When they made the deal with the Dodgers and they sent, ooh, I don't know, what was it, about a quarter billion dollars in salary to the Dodgers? Beckett and Crawford and those guys. Yeah, that was a while right? ago. Yeah. Right. It was what, in 12 they did that. Well, in 13 they won the World Series. Right. No, it usually it usually works out. Like like a lot of times it'll work out. You're not there's not a lot of teams like the Royals that come out of nowhere with zero payroll that go to two consecutive World Series. Right. And you're seeing more and more programs like that out there in baseball. The Astros are a prime example. I mean the Cardinals, for example, wouldn't pay pools. <clears throat> Pouls was wanted two hundred twenty five over ten years. The Angels paid him two forty over ten years, so he went to the Angels because the Cardinals wouldn't. And the, the Cardinals' thought was this: we can get three or four guys for that money and have. The Angels, meanwhile, have won nothing. Nothing <laughs> with Pouls and Trout. But I mean that's but that can also be choices too because the Cubs have spent a ton of money and they've gotten a World Series out of it, so it really depends on it, it's it's all about choices and if you have the a Cubs like, have been very the Cubs have been very selective about how they they spent it on Lester, right? They did spend it on Hayward, which is still a mystery, <laughs> right? Right, but Contreras, Rizzo, 
Baez, Russell, Bryant, Schwarber. They're all internal guys. They they haven't cost the Cubs anything in relative terms. I mean, how much have they spent on those guys? And those are their better players. The one guy they spent money on was, you know, the two guys were Hayward and Lester. Right. After that, where's the money they spent? They didn't spend a ton of money other places. They developed that whole group, brought them up. They got John Jay as a relatively inexpensive free agent last year. And, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, the Cubs didn't spend a lot of money. The Indians haven't spent a lot of money, except for Encarnacion. Well, and uh, uh, didn't didn't they have to re-sign Miller as well? Wasn't he big a, a big contract, or they didn't re-sign him yet? I don't think they've re-signed him yet. Okay, so his contract hasn't been up yet. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's definitely it's definitely trending more towards you know the spending less type of thing. But then you have again the Yankees who did trade for. To be fair, they traded for Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, they didn't they did. sign yeah. him. So you know right. we'll see what happens in a few years when that time comes because they're going to have to sign. They're going to have to sign this core. This core is going to cost them. And the Mets are in the same position with these pitchers. Like they're going to have to. They're going to have to sign these players. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen going forward with those two teams wow. and others. But the Mets have Tebow. All right. <laughs> Yikes. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.